This is the place to be this morning. Can I get amen? amen? And after that worship, I'm just like, holy cow, what am I going to do upon this stage? Uh, man, I'm super excited to be here. I haven't um, preached on this stage since a, a really big event happened in the lives of uh, our country and the lives of our state. UGA won the national championship. And um, I feel like I have to say go dogs, even though I'm a Bama fan. So hey, go dogs, go dogs for you guys. Y'all weren't excited about that. That's, that's fine. That was a big deal for me. I just want y'all to know. It was a really big deal for me. Um, man, today's going to be exciting. Today's going to be fun. I hope you guys can kind of lean in for the next 25 or 30 minutes. And I really do believe as I've been studying scripture throughout this, this week about this topic that I'm about to kind of kind of jump into, um, I've learned a lot. I've fallen more in love with Jesus. And I really do feel that you're going to fall in love more with Jesus today. Hey, online, like Sean said earlier, <laughs> stay on. Because I really do feel that God's going to do something in your life and our life and the life of this church this morning. If you're new, um, and this is a great time to kind of jump in where we're in a new series today. Uh, we've been kind of looking, trying to look through the lens of, of three different lenses um, throughout the year uh, as a church as we create sermon content. Um, one is, is knowing Jesus. We kind of did a lot in the fall. I mean, how do we know Jesus? What are the characteristics of Jesus? What is Jesus like? We're in a, a follow season right now. That was actually the title of our last, last sermon series, but but today we're going to talk about how to follow Jesus as the shepherd. And then eventually later on in the spring, we're going to talk about how do we lead like Jesus. So, so we, want to, we want to know Jesus, follow Jesus, and lead like Jesus. And we believe that's the definition of a disciple. So this is intentional, and we want us to walk through these very specific aspects um, of what Jesus has taught. And so uh, we're in kind of follow season, and, and following is a pretty big deal. I mean, growing up, right, one of the first things, if you, any parents in the room, one of the first things that we teach our kids is how to what? Follow the leader, how to follow directions and how to follow rules. How is that going for you? Because it's not going well for, for us. But, but following's been really, really important. And, and, it, and it, was, it was really important to Jesus. Now, early on in the faith, like right now, you and I, when maybe we talk to people who are following Jesus, maybe the question that we ask each other to kind of really define our belief system is, hey, are you a Christian? Or, hey, do you believe in Jesus? Well, early Christianity, they didn't really have too much of those questions. The question they would ask each other is, hey, are you followers of the way? Are you followers of the way? Now, I'm just going to kind of jump in this morning. I think a lot of us in this room, man, if I really go to look back at the definition of believing and me following Jesus, a lot of times we make following Jesus a decision, but it's more of a way of life. So for following Jesus isn't just a decision, man, it's a way of life. And Jesus, man, this was a big deal to him. And we see Jesus speak throughout the Gospels uh, over and over and over again. In John 8, verse 12, Jesus says this. Jesus goes, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Darkness is scary. Darkness brings anxiety. Darkness brings depression. Darkness brings frustration. Darkness brings the unknown. And Jesus himself, right off the scene, he's going, man, I am the light of the world. Do you want darkness to flee from your life? Are you in it right now? Then you and I, man, we need to begin to follow Jesus because his promise has been, if you follow me, your darkness will go away. And maybe that's just what you need to hear this morning. 
Like I give you permission to shut it down, zone out, and just focus on, dude, Ryan, I'm living in darkness. I'm frustrated. I'm in the midst of anxiety. I, I can't see the hand in front of my face. And just following Jesus will, will make darkness flee. Maybe that's what you just need to capture today. And we're going to walk through, man, what does following Jesus look like? And what are some tangible ways to, to get there? But, but Jesus was very clear in Matthew 10, verse 38. He goes, whoever does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And so are, are you followers of the way? The question I'm asking myself this week is, is Ryan, am I a follower of the way? Because Jesus says, if you're, if you're not a follower of me, I don't, I don't, I don't know you. And then John, Jesus says this in chapter 20, he goes, if anyone serves me, he, he must follow me. Jesus doesn't say, hey, when you get ready, begin to follow. When you get mature enough, begin to follow. When you read scripture, maybe seven days in a row, then commit to follow. Jesus is going, dude, you must follow. This is a, this is a have to. This is concrete. This is absolute truth. He goes, man, if you really want relationship with me, you must you must follow. I think many of us, we understand what following looks like. Social media these days, we know who to follow, how to follow. Uh, many of us, um, I, I think we're not following the leader, but the things we're following becomes our leaders. Does that make sense? Uh, I think we don't have a designation on this is where I want to go, but, but as we're following different things, whether it's media, um, different news outlets, friends, family, then we begin to kind of follow what, what we're looking at, and then those things begin, begin to lead us. And this morning, the overarching theme, what I want you and I to, to maybe wrap our mind or eyes and ears around is following doesn't start with your eyes. Following doesn't start with your eyes. So let me pray for us and we'll jump into some scriptures together. Jesus, thank you so much for this time, for this place, for these people. I pray, Jesus, that you take my words and you miraculously change them into your words, that, that, that you just... Man, uh, man in, in every heart today that, that you just manipulate my words into the words that you want people to hear um, that are from you. And I pray, Jesus, that we grow closer to you, that we fall more in love with you, and that we're filled with joy as we leave this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Donald Miller, uh, he wrote a book called Blue Like Jazz, and he tells a story in his book where he had some Navy SEALs, they boarded a helicopter and they went to go rescue uh, some, some people that, that, that were, that, that were um, uh, hostaged in, in a far remote city. And, and these SEALs hopped on the plane, they, they, they went to this foreign city, they, they hopped off the plane, they, they ran into the compound and as one Navy SEAL opened the door, he could see men and women huddled together in a very dark room against the back wall. And this Navy SEAL, he goes, hey, 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 come on, guys, come, come follow, come follow me. We're, we're Americans. Hey, come, come and follow me. And, and, and no one moved in the room. And the Navy SEALs began to look at each other, and they became a little desperate. They knew the enemy was just maybe a few feet, yards away. And they're going, no, 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 hey, you've got to come. You've got to get up, and you've got to follow now, I know many of us in this room, most of us in this room, probably nobody in this room has been trapped in a city, held hostage in a foreign land. But, but many of us in our lives, right, like we, we've been held hostage by a relationship. You and I, may, maybe you've been held hostage by an addiction, by, by a job loss, by an unforeseen diagnosis. 
And maybe right now, or maybe it's months ago, or maybe it'll be in a couple months where you're kind of stuck against the back wall in the dark place. And the easy thing for me to do, the easy thing for maybe believers to do is to come to you and go, come on, just, just, just follow Jesus. I, I understand that tragedy just hit your life, but, but get up and come follow Jesus. But, but that, that doesn't really work. It's a nice idea. It's, it's a nice phrase, but just like the hostages who were stuck overseas, they were scared. They didn't know what to do. I'm going to start today in John chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, John chapter 10. John's an amazing guy who followed Jesus, who was like Jesus's favorite. Jesus had favorites, and so John was his favorite. Uh, John writes the book of John on a, on a first-hand account, so he was there. What he, write, what he wrote is what he saw. We're going to start in chapter 10 with the end result. We're going to backtrack to John 8, and we're going to fly back into John 10, okay? It's going to be a journey together. But in John 10, 10, Jesus says this. Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. So, some versions, this is the ESV version, but so, some versions say, I have come to have life and have it to the full. Now, you and I know what it looks like to live on empty, right? How many of you guys have ever run out of gas in your car? Come on. How many of you guys have ever run out of gas with your wife in the car? <laughs> Bad day. Uh, we know, and maybe you're, you're way more mature than me, and you keep the gas tank on in the middle of the whole way. But our phones, right? Has your phone ever gotten on E, gotten low, gotten to the red numbers pop up? And you start losing your mind, students, right? I mean, you start losing your mind because that is your gateway. That, that is everything. And even for us, man, when it starts getting down to the single digits, you're like, dude, I, I, need, I need some juice. I need, a, I need some plug. I need it because if I, if I run out, man, I lose all all connections. Uh, for those of you guys who have electric cars, like what happens to you when you get on E? Like, do you just stay there and get an extension cord? Like, that's not my life. But, but Jesus says, man, if you, if you come to me, you, you'll have life and you'll have it to the full. And, and, and I, know, I know you and I know I, like, man, I, I, want, I want life to the full. Like, I, I want to be maxed out. I, I want to stop living on reserves. I mean, with a job, with a family, with three kids under six, with, with, with family drama, right? Like you and I know it doesn't take a whole lot to kind of start emptying our tank. And many of us, man, we're trying to fight through it. We're trying to just kind of grit and grind our way through it. And Jesus goes, man, man, I have come. I've come to give you, I've come to give me, I've come to give this church, man, life, but not just life, but life to the full. And I think uh, as we walk through John 8, 9, and 10, that we'll, we'll fully understand what's happening and why Jesus is saying it. But to give us some context of uh, this statement in John 10, we have to go back to John 8. Now, just to catch you up on John 8, Jesus is speaking in the temple, the church, right? You have Jewish people. Uh, you have high class, middle class, no class. They're all surrounding him. The Pharisees and the religious leaders of the day, they, they were trying to, to catch Jesus, they were trying to test him. Jesus' life wasn't just a life of three years kind of doing miracles and preaching on the side of a street and then getting hung up on a cross. Like for three years, men and women were chasing Jesus down trying to murder him. And I think sometimes we, we, we fail to remember that. 
Like, like Jesus was kind of always on edge. Jesus was always kind of shifting away from what was happening. So, so Jesus was preaching and teaching. And some of the religious leaders, you may remember this story, they, they brought in a, a woman who was uh, caught in the midst, the Bible says, uh, of, of adultery. Now, I don't know what that means. I don't know if she got caught in the act. I don't know exactly what was happening. But she was kind of dumped, dragged in, and dumped before the feet of Jesus. And the Pharisees and religious leaders of the day, they, they, were, they were doing this to kind of, kind of catch Jesus so then they could kind of, uh, kind, of, kind of move him towards trial or even death. And Jesus kind of says this thing to the woman, lifts her eyes up and says, kind of, kind of, kind of look right me. And, and people began to grab stones because that was the, the, the consequence of the act that she had committed. And Jesus goes, well, hold on. Did you guys have any sin? Do you guys have any mistake? And they begin to drop their rocks and, and, and walk away. And Jesus kind of, kind, of, kind of picks her up and they're still kind of in the crowd. And, and then Jesus begins to say, man, I'm the light of the world. And Jesus began to preach and he goes, man, I, everything, everybody that's come before me, I'm better than they are. And these men and these women begin to get angry. And, and in verse uh, 59 in chapter 8, it says, So they picked up stones to throw at him, Jesus. But Jesus hid himself and he went out of the temple. Are, are you catching this scene? Like, is it clear that Jesus is preaching and teaching adulterous woman? They're trying to stone her. He kind of like jumps in the scene. Then he claims to be God and, and to be better. And then they grab the same stones they're going to throw at him. And then Jesus takes off. Wild, wild scene. And then chapter 9, this is where it gets even crazier. Chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And as he passed by Jesus, he saw a blind man from birth. So, so Jesus is trying to scoot out of town. Je Jesus is trying to hide, and, and he almost trips, it seems like, over this blind man who has been blind since birth. We find out in a few more verses that he's not just a child. Uh, he's, he's a grown man. He's been blind for a really long time. And Jesus stops. Dudes with stones in his hands trying to murder Jesus, and Jesus stops to a blind guy. I wonder if Jesus was like, look right at me. I mean, he wouldn't be that crazy. But Jesus, we don't know the full interaction, but he grabs some dirt, and he makes it into some mud, and he puts the mud on this man's eyes, and then he tells him to, to, to go. Go, go. Go to Shalom, this kind of this, this was water place, and put water on your eyes. And, and the scripture says the, the man went. Side note, this has really not much to do with my sermon at all, but I, I need you to know, and I need to know for my own life, that Jesus will always stop for me. Jesus will always stop for you. He, he's not busy hanging out with someone else. He, he's not busy with, with that mature believer, and you're kind of tagging along, and he doesn't have time for you. Je, Jesus isn't busy just with his own agenda, and he's forgotten about you. This dude was about to get stoned and he stopped for a, a worthless blind man. And, and Jesus, he'll stop for you. I find it very interesting that the blind man began to follow the words of Jesus before he ever locked words with him. So often in our lives, we, we, want, we want to see Jesus. We want to know all the answers. I mean, imagine if I'm the blind guy and this random guy comes up to me and goes, dude, I can make you see real quick. And I'll be like, cool, I'm game. I got nothing to lose. And he begins to make this mud and put it on my eyes. Before I go wash them off, I'm going, hey, hey, hey man, hey, guy, like, what do I do next? Like, like once I actually begin to see, then what? Because I've been blind all my life. This is my way of life. I've been the blind beggar. Cool, you heal me, that's great. 
But then what? Why? What's the purpose of this? And we don't see this type of interaction between the blind guy and Jesus. But I think many times in our lives, we have that reaction. When maybe Jesus calls us to do something and it is clear, we're going, well, hold on, give us the full story first. Well, hold on, you want me to give money to the church? Like, well, what is that going to mean long term for me? Whoa, 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 you want me to do this, but what does this mean three, five, 10, 25 years down the road? We want all the answers. For you parents out there, we get this. We tell our kids all the time what to do and what rules to follow, and many times they ask, well, why? Again, I have a six-year-old, four-year-old, and a two-year-old. We have a minivan. Come on, any minivan lovers out there? Ashley and I were driving down the road yesterday. I looked at her. I was like, are you, are you still glad we got a minivan? And she's like, yes. And I'm like, yeah, me too. I mean, come on, minivan for life. It's awesome. Like, it's just easy. Um, and so uh, loading our kids into the minivan, uh, it's, 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 it's a time, right? Six, four, and two. And the first rule of getting in the car is what? To get in your seat and buckle. It's very easy. It's very clear. Just get in the minivan, find your seat, sit in your seat, and buckle your seatbelt, right? Now, Riley's six, almost seven. She, she somewhat gets it, you know, depending on uh, kind of how much sleep she got the night before. But she gets it. Bradley, he's just like, well, why? And I'm like, man, come on. You know, just because, just because. Just just and then finally, as a parent, you get frustrated sometimes, right? You really want me to tell you why? You really want to tell me why? Because, because look, if, if I'm driving and, and you're not buckled in, you're, you're probably going to be okay. But if mom's driving... It's going to be bad news. <laughs> Buckle your seatbelt. And fear in his eyes. Like, I want to be okay. And next time I get in the car, she's like, well, why, why is mom driving? <laughs> like, it's, a, it's okay. But we have the same attitude towards Jesus, right? And what he's called us to do. Some of the things he's asked us is, is, is just fairly simple and clear. But, but, but why? And this blind man, it just amazes me that, that he, just, he, just, he just went for it. He comes back from the pool, and again, the religious leaders are still on the heels of Jesus, okay? The, the guys that just began to stone him were right there, and they find this blind guy that's now seeing. How, how an amazing moment of this. This is a movie. Like, come on the scene. Jesus had just left. Blind guy. People are like, whoa, what's going on? I think that's the guy. That's the beggar. And the Pharisees are like, well, who, who, who did this? And the blind's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. I can see. I can see you. What? Did you do it? Like, what's going on? Who did it? You know? Uh, and, and it was so crazy that the, the religious leaders and the Pharisees are like, well, go, go, go get your parents. This is crazy. And uh, so they, they went and got his parents. The parents were like, I don't know. He's old enough. He's old enough to, to tell you. They, they backed away. They didn't want to get into the, the mess of these dudes with stones. And so the Pharisees kicked this blind man out of the city. What did he do? I mean, he was just the dude that Jesus tripped over. And for no reason, for his obedience in going to the water so he could have sight, he gets kicked out of the city. No more relational connection with his family. And no more religious connection. No more political connection. He's gone. How unfair is that? I mean, just blind. I can see. I'm at the top. <laughs> and now I'm back. At the bottom. And in, in John 9, verse 35, man, I love Jesus so much. And he is so clear. It says, Jesus heard. So Jesus wasn't there because he was still running for his life. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. And having found him, he said, do you believe in the Son of God? And this man answered, and, and who is he, sir? <laughs> that I may believe in him. Is this crazy? 
This guy's like talking to the man who just healed him. And he's like, yes, sir. How may I find him? (laughs) And Jesus said to him, you have seen him. It is he who is speaking to you. And he said, Lord, I believe. And the man began to worship him. I think it's very intriguing. And it shows the character of Jesus. that, That Jesus didn't just heal a guy, speak to a guy. A guy just didn't respond and hear the words of Jesus and obey. But in the midst of his trouble, Jesus found him. Hey, look look right at me. Jesus will always pursue you. Jesus will always pursue you. That, That is his mission. He's not giving up. He doesn't get tired. He doesn't take a nap. Jesus' mission, his sole mission, is to pursue you and to pursue me. And this, this guy was banished, and Jesus found him. I think sometimes in our lives, um, we're obedient to the calling of Jesus. We're obedient to maybe what we feel Jesus is speaking to us. And we make the decision, and, and, and then it feels like we don't have abundant life. Maybe you begin to start giving and becoming very generous, and then something sideswipes you, and you're going, what does that mean? Maybe you begin and go, oh, no, okay, I don't want to maybe take that job promotion because God has first called me to be this father and leader of my home, and I want to spend time there. But then bills begin to pile up, and you're looking back and going, Jesus, I'm trying to be obedient, but now I feel like I'm kind of pushed out of the town, Jesus, he will find you. He will pursue you. And he won't slap you on the hand, but Jesus, he'll, he'll comfort you. I think it's very um, telling that, that this man's listening led to his looking. This man's listening led to his looking. The blind man listened first. And because he listened, he was able to look at Jesus' eyes. So that's just the backstory of John chapter 10. Imagine the scene. Jesus uh, sidestepped a stoning. Blind man is healed. His parents are going, I don't know what's going on. And the mob begins to follow Jesus, and they're still surrounding him. And Jesus says these words in John chapter 10. He says, truly, truly, I say to you. Like, isn't that interesting? You have to say this sometimes, right? Like, I'm telling the truth this time. Like, like Jesus is going, truly, truly, this is truth. I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So, so Jesus transitions to like this blind man craziness, sweating, hide and seek game until this kind of this preaching style of like, okay, real quick, I'm going to spend the next few minutes talking about how, how I am, Jesus is the, the, the good shepherd and what that relationship is between the good shepherd and the sheep. And I think this is very influential into my life and into your life. And Jesus starts off with this statement. He goes, truly, truly, I say to you, uh, there's only one way to enter in the sheepfold, um, the, the sheep pen. Uh, the area where all the sheep go. There's only one way to enter in, and, and, but there's other ways that people can get in. 
The seatfold was only about four or five feet in, in height. Anybody been to San Antonio and seen the Alamo? You're like, no wonder they lost, right? Like, uh, and the seatfold was kind of built around three or four or five feet. And so thieves and robbers could jump in and take over. But Jesus is going, there's only one good way. There's only one right way. There's only one honest way. There's only one fully transparent way to enter into the sheepfold. A question for you and for me as I wrestle this week is, is, is the question I ask myself is, what has robbed me from abundant life? What has been the thief in my life? And I could go through a whole list and it, I could serve it to you on a platter and maybe you could pick a list from the platter, but, but you know your thief. You know the thing that's robbing you from joy. You know the thing that's stressing you out, that's bringing you the most anxiety, that keeps you up at night. You know those things. And Jesus is going, man, there's really one really cool way to enter in, but there's also a way that thieves and robbers jump in. If I were to tell you that in your cul-de-sac there were three or four really bad guys, what would you do to your house? I mean, you begin to protect it. I mean, you already have a ring doorbell. You're already on next door. You're already messaging on Facebook. Like, you already have a pretty good understanding because you want your family to be safe from thieves, from robbers. But in our own life, as we follow Jesus, there's these other thieves and robbers that try to jump into our lives. What are you doing to protect yourself from those thieves and robbers? Number one, you need to identify them. And number two, you need to set some boundaries so they can protect you. Verse number three, it says, to him, the gatekeeper opens, the sheep hear his voice. This is amazing. And he calls his own sheep, the shepherd, uh, by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all of his own, he goes before them and the sheep will follow him because they know his voice. Now, again, I haven't been around sheep. You may have some sheep, but the idea of shepherds and sheep would, would be they would travel with their sheep. Let's say a shepherd would have a hundred sheep they would call their own. They would get into a city and those sheep would enter into a sheepfold, a pen, a gate with other sheep. And so let's say there was 10 shepherds and there was a thousand sheep and they were, were kind of calling it a night. So they, they, would, they would put them in this gate to protect them from their outside surroundings. But as a shepherd, I have my hundred sheep in the midst of 900 other sheep and they'll be hanging out together. Now, the next day when I was ready to rock and roll and continue on my journey, I would step into the sheepfold and I would give my signal or I would make my whistle or do whatever it took for my hundred sheep just to follow my call. And the 900 sheep would stay. In the middle of the night, the shepherd, there to say there's 10 shepherds, one shepherd would lay at the door to protect the other nine shepherds and the other thousand sheep. These callings became so distinct that I could call, the shepherd could call their hundred sheep to walk out of the sheep pen, but they also could call individual sheep. Could you imagine that party trick? And like nowadays, you maybe can use your phone, GPS, use a collar, use a brand, but these shepherds didn't have that, and they would use these distinct callings to call their sheep. Have you ever heard Jesus' distinct calling on your life? Have you ever had a moment where you're like, oh, that's different? I know. And Jesus says he knows everyone by name. Uh, the shepherds wouldn't just go, well, that's sheep one and sheep two and sheep three. Or if you've ever uh, uh, seen, <laughs> this is a dumb analogy. I'm going to say it anyways. Um, if you haven't seen a, like a dog who, who's, who maybe has 10 puppies and there's like the blue dog, the brown dog, the, whatever. No, no, Jesus has, has all of you by name. 
So he's not just going sheep one, sheep two, come this way. He's going, hey, David, come here. Hey, hey, Ryan, come here. Hey, Lucy, come here. Hey, Sharon, come here. Hey, Jake, come here. And Jesus calls each and every one of us by name. I, th- I wonder what was happening in the sheep pen um, when, 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 when it was daybreak and the shepherds were ready to go. Like, did the sheep know that they were ready to go? And were they attentive to, to listen for their shepherd's voice? A.W. Tozer, he says this. He goes, only those who expect to hear God actually do. Are you, do you expect to hear him? Do you expect to hear his whisper? When I read the Bible, do I expect for him to speak? In verse 7, Jesus says this again. He goes, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. All those other fake shepherds are fake, but the sheep did not listen to them. And I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Hey church, there's a thief. And that thief wants to steal everything you have. That, that, that thief wants to kill everything that you've worked for. And that thief wants to destroy you. And this robber and this thief, although Jesus is the door, they're, they're hopping the fence and they're entering into the sheepfold. They're entering into your life. And Jesus says, please, 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 the only way that you can fend them off is if you know my voice. If you follow me, you're not going to follow them. If you follow me, if you follow the good shepherd, there is no way your eyes are going to get detached from me and into these other things. And Jesus says, man, I am the good shepherd and I will give you abundant life. Spurgeon, theologian, says this, life is a matter of degrees. Some have life, but it flickers like a dying candle and and is indistinct as the fire is a smoking flax. Others are full of life. And they're bright. Don't you want full of life? I mean, don't, don't you want to smile all day long? Don't you want to be full of joy? Don't you want to have a good day on top of another good day into a good week and, and maybe just maybe a great year? Jesus says, I've, I've come to give you abundant life. And then lastly, and Verse 11, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Uh, I always, man, love reading scripture and the nuances of scripture. I, I sometimes wish, like, Jesus, why didn't you lead out with that? Like at the beginning of your message, going, I am the good shepherd. And I've laid down my life for you. Okay, cool, I'm going to listen now. But, but to start chapter 10 with all this sheep and shepherd stuff and, and then to close it out with like, well, you're looking at the good shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd. And the good shepherd laid down his life for his sheep. If you study sheep, I did some study of sheep this, this past week. Sheep have a really hard time laying down because when you lay down, you're really unprotected. I mean, if you think about it, how, how does a sheep defend itself? They can't. <laughs> they can't. And so for sheep to lay down, it's actually a really big deal that they have to feel safe. They have to feel trusted. They have to feel guarded. 
I think it's interesting that, that Jesus, he goes, man, I'm the good shepherd and, and I actually laid down my own life for my sheep. Uh, that the sheep, you and I, referring to you and I, that Jesus laid his life down for us. Again, we, we started in chapter eight with, the, with an adulterous woman. Jesus calls the Pharisees spiritually blind. He, he, he looks at a blind man and he heals him and he compares us with sheep. Get an interesting fact around sheep. Sheep have extremely great eyesight. They can actually see 300 degrees, which is pretty crazy. Eyes in the back of their head, right? They can see uh, in, in such a peripheral way, but they have a really hard time seeing right, what's right in front of them. Sound familiar? You, you can see all the moving pieces. You, you can play it out. You're balancing, man, working and job and faith and family and relationship. I mean, you see a lot. I, I, I see a lot. But I think so often that, man, we have this great eyesight and we feel comfortable and confident walking through our life because we're not going to get blindsided by much, but, but we're not seeing what, what's right in front of us. That, that Jesus is asking, man, will you follow me? Would you be willing to listen to me? Stop looking all over the place, looking for the best college, looking for the best house, looking for the best spouse, looking for the best job. Could you just stop and listen? Because I really do believe listening would lead to you following, would lead to me looking at Jesus my savior. The Navy SEALs, they were, they were confused. They were at a loss of words until one Navy SEAL began to take off some of his clothing and some of his weapons and he, he walked up to the hostages and began to lay with them. Just, just lay with them. As he tells the story, he goes, these hostages had to know that the enemy wouldn't lay with them. The bad guys, they wouldn't lay with him. And, and, and the, the Navy still began to just lay with them. His body touching their body. And he began to whisper, hey, it's safe. We're Americans. It's ready to go. You can trust me. This Navy SEAL got up and began to walk out of the door and one by one, every hostage began to follow. Again, Jesus isn't just a God, a savior who's screaming from heaven, hey, follow me, I'm here, come on, let's go, hurry, let's go. Jesus left heaven. He came to earth, he, he lived for 33 years. And he just didn't tell you, come on, you idiot, let us follow me, it's time to go. He goes, man, like, I'm gonna give my whole life I'm gonna die, I'm gonna empathize, I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna stop and I'm gonna heal you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna not judge you and I'm gonna, I'm gonna be there for you and, and he proved it all. And as Jesus walks away or as he ascends into heaven, like, yeah, I'm gonna follow that guy. I, I wanna follow that guy because he loves me and he cares about me and he's for me and he's good. He's gonna protect me. And my, 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 I'll beg you this morning to do the same. Follow him. 
Let's just stop, close our eyes, beg to hear the voice of Jesus and begin to follow him. Because I can imagine the day when I get to heaven, when you get to heaven and I step before Jesus and I get to actually see him. One of the first things he's going to ask me is, did you follow me? Not, 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 did you raise your hand? Not, did you make a decision? Hey, hey Ryan, did you follow me? And uh, I want to be able to be like, I don't have to answer that question. You know. Where's the party? Let's go, Jesus. I'm ready. And I pray and I hope and I believe that as we put one step in front of the other and we put one ear on at a time and we hear the calling of Jesus, we begin to follow him. Jesus, he's going to give you. He's going to give me. He's going to give us. He's going to give the city abundant life. Let me pray. Jesus, you're incredible. I love talking about you. I love Jesus that you can do new things in my heart, in my life, that you can teach me, that you can love me, that you can stop for me, that you will pursue me, that you'll talk to me. I pray, Jesus, I never stop following you. I pray, Jesus, I get rid of the thieves, the robbers. I pray, Jesus, you speak. Speak now. Speak in my life. Speak in individual lives right now. Tell us where to go, what to do. We'll do it. We'll be obedient. We won't ask all the questions, and we'll just go because we heard you, and we're confident in that. And I pray, Jesus, you change my life, change the lives of the people in this church online. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.